our final week uh, with our benedictions. We are in uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. I'll give you a second if you're flipping there or find it on your cell phone. Uh, this week, as I was uh, thinking about just these couple of verses, uh, I was reminded, reminded of uh, the story of the Lord of the Rings. And I, whether you've seen the movies or read the books, uh, I was uh, reminded of just the array of amazing characters that are, that are in this. You could ask probably everyone in here, and it would be uh, far and few between that these characters were repeated if I were to ask you which one was your favorite. But the question I would pose to you from the Lord of the Rings this morning is who was the best shepherd to Frodo? Was it Gandalf, who sent him on a quest and then just left him? I mean, to be fair, he died for a little bit, but, you know. Was it Tom Bombadil from the books who rescued him a couple times and then was never heard from again? Or was it Boromir? That's an easy answer. That's, that's a no. Or was it Aragorn who also let him off into the river? I would put forward. Is that me that's crackling? All right. Thank you. We'll shut her down soon if it continues. I would put forward that the person who took the best care of Frodo was uh, like a shepherd with a sheep would have been Samwise Gamgee. The fellow hobbit that from the beginning to the end was next to Frodo's side, protecting him, rescuing him, feeding him, carrying him in the ring. The one who would have preferred to drown in the river than let Frodo escape his presence without care. You could have said he was obsessed, but we're not going to go there. What I want to point out is Samwise was a beautiful picture of what a shepherd is what a biblical shepherd is, the watcher who loves and watches and cares and protects because of the love for the one that he has, for the one he watches for. Not because there's a whip at his back, but because of the position of his heart towards the one under his care. And I think, I believe that we'll see that uh, as we look at God through this benediction today, that the position of God's heart far surpasses anything that we have ever known in this world. Anyone that has loved us, God has loved us far better. And, I, and I'm hoping that we see this from uh, Hebrews 13, 20, and 21 this morning. But before we go there, would, uh, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, bringing us here this morning, uh, even in Memorial Day week, uh, weekend, where we know we've got loved ones traveling and resting and camping, I hope, uh, which is good for our soul. But for those of us who are here, uh, I am grateful. It is so sweet to see the faces every Sunday morning, and I hope over the summer even more as we gather and focus on that. And uh, help us this morning as we open the Word and we look at uh, one of the benedictions that we use as a body, and you would show us how it is a blessing to us and how it can move in our lives every Sunday that we use these we thank you for uh, the ways you've worked in our lives, and I'd ask that you would help our souls today uh, focus and be fed by your word. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So this is the final week of our short series through our benedictions. Pastor Tom and I were talking after one of the services, and he, said, he read a benediction, and it was just such a blessing to me 
It's one of my, I think, becoming one of my favorite parts of the service. Not because we're done and I can go take a nap now, <laughs> though it's a good part, but I could listen to you preach all day, every day. So I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate your, the, word, the ministry of your word that you do use. But it's because how much of a blessing it is to me to hear truth. Right? Not the truth of something like, well, inflation is bad. We all know that. Or teenagers love jumping on trampolines. Those, those, those two things are true. Shh. Whose child is that? Okay. I'll take that into notes. Thank you, Lola. I appreciate that. Though we know those things are true, it doesn't fill our soul. It's not a balm to our soul. And I mean that the truth that cuts through the fog of war, that's typically our life. With physical pains and unfair diseases that we have to wrestle with with every moment of our day. Or watching children make mistakes that we know that will come back to haunt them later on. Or watching loved ones pass away or slowly watch life pass us by season by season. And you wonder if it'll ever slow down, down again. And you know each year that comes by, there is no slowing down. And you talk to the older ones among you, and they go, it's going to f- go by in a flash. And you're like, thanks for that. I was already worrying about it, but now I'm really sure worrying about it. Because you come here, if you come to a worship service often, you hear a call to worship. Where the Lord is calling our hearts and attention to him through his word. And we respond and glorify him with our minds and our voices. And then we hear and we listen to his living word. His living word read aloud and then expounded to us, to our souls. And then we sing some more. And then we get to this, a benediction at the very end before we then slog through another week of our lives. We don't know what's coming around the bend. It could be good or bad, but something's coming. And a benediction is that last thing that we close our worship service to as a blessing. And so this is one of, one of the ones that we use right here in Hebrews 13, verse 20. You can read along with me. Just listen to this. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I hope that's a blessing to you to just read, now may the God of peace who brought again from the Lord from the dead our Lord Jesus. Is that not soothing to be reminded of from the word? But we should ask of ourselves and of scripture, why is this a blessing to us? Because it sounds good. I like what it says, but why should this bless me? So let's look at the beginning again. Just the first uh, part of that. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Now it is good to us, good news, that the true God is a God of peace. Peace. He's not some made-up false God 
made by some dude with his hands out of wood or gold that says, oh yeah, this little guy is going to help us win the war or make sure the corn grows. This is a true God of peace. We see this echoed in Romans 15.33 and 16.20 in Philippians 4.9. God is a God of peace. We also see peace included in the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And the amazing truth to the believers that this God would want to make peace with you or me at all. Why would he want peace with sinful people who do nothing but keep adding to that heap? All we seem to desire is the sin that he saved us from. And this is uh, from a group of people who I'm talking to, who I hope are people who confess the truth of Jesus as Lord. We, we sin as, for as long as we've been alive and we've done nothing to earn the love of God, yet he has made peace with us through his son. This especially amazes me because God hates sin. He abhors sin. He hates it so much that he not only kicked out the first created couple in the garden because of their rejection of him, he wiped out an entire planet with water except for one family because of sin specifically. And then if you read through the wanderings of the camp of Israel, large groups of that were just wiped out because of sin. And then finally, because of his hatred of sin, to the level and the extent that he hates it, he then sent his son to die as a punishment for the people he loves. Not just his son. This son is a member of the triune God who'd been for alive as long as alive has been around. He's never not existed. And he sent that son to die in our place. And I think peace is an interesting concept to sit and slow down and think about. If I were to ask you to define war, I bet you'd have it. You know exactly how to tell me what war is and when war happens and why war happens. But if I were to ask you to define peace, it would probably be done in relation to war, not define peace alone by itself. Or maybe you would tell me where you feel peaceful or where you can find peace from your busy life. But if you'll allow me to refer to the Lord of the Rings again, the story of Frodo uh, travels through the city of uh, Rivendell twice. It's the home of the elves. It's secluded up in the mountains and it's surrounded by rivers and waterfalls and everybody wears nice clothes and they're well-groomed. Right. But it's the second time that he goes there that reminds me of peace. And it's right at the end of the movie or the story when he throws the ring finally into the hot lava, down into the mountain, after traveling all through Mordor, which is full of darkness and evil and creatures unimaginable, except he imagined them and wrote them. Okay, granted. Darkness upon darkness upon darkness with an evil eye that tries to find anything that moves. That shouldn't be there. Though he travels along with his friend Sam, eventually throws the ring over in the lava below, and then it just goes black. And he wakes up in Rivendell, and everything's quiet. There's stringed instruments. Instead of darkness, there's light. 
instead of evil, there's good. It's quiet. And in comes uh, Gandalf, who's sitting there because he's back again after everything's over. Gandalf. And in comes running his friends and everyone else from the fellowship who survived. And it's peaceful. And what made it peaceful to me was the immediate uh, scene chains from darkness to light. It's not a false peace. A false peace is what he was living under before in the Shire while, he was, while they were ignoring what was happening around him. This was a true peace where evil was slain and not to return again. As Christians, we have or could have, we have access to that same peace because of God's peace written about here. Wayne Grudem defines God's peace, that it means uh, that in God's being and in his actions, he is separate from all confusion and disorder. Separate, above confusion and disorder. Yet he is continually active in innumerable, well-ordered, fully controlled, simultaneous actions. Our God is the God of peace, a peace that flows from him. Any peace we receive, we receive because of his work through his son on the cross. And God's desire and character of peace won out through the death of that son by the defeat of sin and death by forcibly removing Jesus from the grave. The way he writes it here, in a way of calling out Jesus from the, the, from the dead. All of this for peace and not a, a peace with in, for, to an army or a government or even just a larger group of people. He did it so that every single one of you, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you would be saved and have eternal peace with God. That's why this passage is a, a blessing to you and me that the God of heaven declared he would not destroy you but give you grace, that you uh, who wander, wander through the week trying to outrun sin and shame would be brought to our knees by a blessing because the truth that the one who can kill both body and soul would have peace with you through his son, Jesus Christ. What this truth should help us with is, one, it should flow into our relationships. It doesn't stop with us but should continue does peace rule your marriage or your family, your friendships and workplaces? Or does everything seem to be a battle? Secondly, can we find ourselves alone and be at peace? I know it's hard for the extroverts among us. Do battles rage inside of us or do we know that we have real access to a true divine peace for us through the Son because of everything he did? regardless of what we've done. And that's just one of the blessings of this benediction and why we should rejoice to read it every four weeks. The second point that I wanted to bring out of this is from the first verse still, where he says, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, and right here, the great shepherd of the sheep. The great shepherd. I often wish that uh, this was something that existed today, that we could visually see all the time. 
drive down, down Highway 42 or whatever these are around here and see, oh, there goes George the, uh, or Bill or Bob the shepherd of those sheep. So you, we could see the gentleness and the care and the lovingness of them. Jesus, as our great shepherd, has been a truth that had been long foretold. We see it in Isaiah 40, 11, that he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are uh, with young. Jesus describes himself as the great shepherd in John chapter 10, if you'd flip there with me. John chapter 10, verse 1 through 17. This is Jesus talking. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own knows me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my, my, down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I, may, I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Those are the Gentiles. So there will be one flock, one shepherd, and for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. Jesus is your great shepherd. Not Billy Bob, not any Joe Schmo who's going to turn on you as soon as the wolves come, but the perfect Lord Jesus who does nothing but watch over you. There's a show I love to watch. Uh, there's only two seasons, so it doesn't take long, but I won't say it because he, he swears a couple times. So I can't have that in our shows. But this man, he's older, decides to buy a farm when he, he, owns no, he knows nothing about farming. This is right up my alley. One of the greatest parts is when he decides to buy sheep and he puts them in the safest field he has. It's got walls surrounding it. It's got nothing but grass to eat. They're completely safe. They should do nothing but just sit in that pen and do whatever they do, bah, gently, and stay there. But it doesn't make good TV, and it wouldn't happen anyway. And to simply put it, utter chaos ensues with these sheep. 
They begin to destroy stone walls who have been there for who, who knows how long, just jumping into the woods and jumping into the road, jumping everywhere that they could go. They went, except for the safe pen that he, does, he put them in. And to top it all off, he decides since he's too old to chase after these sheep, he would buy this device that barks, he would attach it to a drone and fly it after them. And, you know, typically they, sheep, they see the dogs coming, but then they turned into like B-52 bombers and dogs were coming out of the sky. So I don't know how he couldn't figure out sheep were going crazy, but uh, they did. And eventually he hired a local, uh, a local shepherd and found a barn to put them in and basically rode them out of the TV show because they were such a pain. But I would encourage you to find a difference in that story between these sheep and tell me how we are different from those sheep. Though, though those sheep stray because they're stupid and dumb, and I can say that because they're just animals, okay? But we do it because we love our sin. We do the same thing. There's another video that makes the rounds where a sheep is stuck in a trench and a man pulls him out by the back legs and the sheep jumps around and he's free. Boom, 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 jumping all around and he takes one final leap, goes straight up in the air and boom, back into the trench. And you go, wow, that is a dumb sheep. I'm like, no, I, I do the same things. I am no different. Where Jesus comes, pulls me out by my back feet and I go, yay, I'm free again. And boom, right back to what he saved me from. Every time. That is why this benediction is a blessing. To be reminded that Jesus is our great shepherd. And this shepherd's no mere man. This is the perfect, loving, gentle, graceful, and peaceful Jesus. The Jesus who walked around among men, who gently healed and cradled children, who walked on water and defiled the laws of nature, and who then hung upon the cross thinking of those specifically who he was going to save. And now who sits in heaven interceding on your behalf before the Father and waiting to bring you home to him. It's a blessing because it's reminding you and me that you do not wander alone or aimlessly. That in the midst of your sin, he is rescuing you. He is forgiving you. He is loving you. He is gentle with you. He feeds you with his word and he's molding you closer and closer to perfect, perfection each and every day until you go home to be with him. That is why this is a blessing. In our final section, before I get long-winded, is the rest here. The great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I would like to say simply that this is such good news. It is such good news for our souls. We read this to send you off into your week with the news that God made an eternal covenant with the blood of Christ, which we celebrate every Sunday and we're going to do again at the table. A covenant that cannot be broken, 
because we had nothing to do with it. We did not make it. We did not offer it. We did not seal it. It is a covenant between father and son that the sacrifice has been made for our sin, has been paid in full by the blood of the son forevermore. And as we've been studying on Wednesday nights in our youth group, that it's Jesus plus nothing for our salvation. Not even the sin that could subtract from it can break this covenant that has been made for you. There is no law to, left to add because Jesus has done it all for you. And that by his blood that was spilled, God is equipping you with every good to do his will. Working in us that is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. And here is why this is a blessing. Because here's what the author of Hebrews could have said. This is what he could have written. And since Jesus doesn't exist, you must be perfect the rest of your life. And as soon as you sin, you will die and only hell awaits you. No, you've not been equipped or given any help. And I will always be watching to strike you down in complete joy and glee because I hate sin so much. So good luck to you. And I'll see you in three seconds. No, and thank the Lord for this. Read this again with me. By the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. To sum this up and to wrap this up, God is doing everything on your behalf in this life. He sent his son to die for you. He sent his spirit to help you and guide you through sanctification. His son now stands almost as your lawyer, keeping you in good standing through everything we do, though everything we do is tainted with sin, and that he will equip us with good so that we will do his will, which is good, that he will work in us so that we and what we would do would be pleasing in his sight. And all of that is being done through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which will not be thwarted. And can, no amount of sin can thwart. And the author finishes off with this benediction. I want to read it again now, just because it's so good. And I'm going to read it again before we go home. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I hope, I hope now that we're at the end of this, that we're ready to give him glory, at least now. Because amen is that good. And I hope that that encourages you. And you see why that is a blessing to us. That Jesus has done all for you. And we don't have to uh, make up any debts. We don't have to make up any ground for our lost ground. But Jesus is doing it all. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for what you've done in our lives. I thank you for what you've done regardless of our lives. That being said, you didn't do it in a vacuum. You knew what you were doing, who you were doing it for. Jesus, you looked upon us as you were hanging on a cross for our sins so that for all of eternity, we would be at peace with the only being, God, who could destroy soul and body, that we have nothing left to worry about with him, with you, that we could be at peace. Just like when Frodo wakes up in that bed in Rivendell, at peace, knowing evil has been defeated. You are so good. You are so good to us. You love us in so many 
great in an unimaginable ways. And I ask that you would encourage us as we head back into our week. We thank you for saving us through your son and you keeping us on this path. We thank you and we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.